This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. All right, Tommy, this is uh, our last Halloween one coming out right around Halloween. Yeah, right. What do we Halloween, got? Exactly. Well, in honor of Halloween, I guess, we decided to look at the history of some of these Halloween movies and really like the uh, real life stories the um, or real life events that were the inspiration or the basis for a lot of the um, horror, these, all of these horror movies out there. Some of these movies you probably heard of, other ones I never really heard of before. And then reading about the case about them, like um, like I was telling Peter right before this, I kind of went to like a deep dive in a couple of these cases. Um, reading about the actual stories that inspired the movie and it yeah some of them are really disturbing like obviously they can understand why they made this into a uh these uh, that made yeah. the horror movies no absolutely and as you mentioned like there's a lot of these things that i guess the premise is based but some of them really intense. based yeah some of them, some of them are yeah, like, strictly based yeah so i guess the premise here is to really look at the truth behind your known horror movies and as you mentioned tom i think we'll talk about some movies that are not so known because doing this research i realized a lot of the freaky freaky stuff are like horror movies that i've never heard of before no like you mentioned no, no, never right which but there's a whole genre like that's also not like our thing, I'll be honest, I was never really into horror movies. Not that they freaked me out. It was just like, I just never really got into them. I mean, I, I, I've i seen Child's Play, right, with the Chuck. I, I had the My Bloody yeah, Doll. Yeah. So, like, I have that. My, I think it's still at my mom's house. Like, um, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday 13th. I remember seeing all those movies. But a lot of the, like, the really gory movies, which I think some of these are. But there's that one now. What's it called? Oh, The, the Watcher. People were like, no, The Watcher. Yeah, but no, there's like a movie. It's, some, it's like a clown, not it, but it was like. And people were like vomiting and throwing up in like the theaters because it was like so intense. I heard about it and read articles about it. Um, I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to you. All right. So let's kind of get going. I mean, I, I already mentioned a watcher. I'm on, uh, that's from 2016. Uh, if you guys have ever seen that movie. Um, and I kind of, I'll, I'll start with the fact that I've never seen the watcher, but this is in Westfield, New Jersey. So it's, I guess, close to home. So the movie, the watcher is based on a real life story. It is a couple that bought a house in Westfield, New Jersey. Uh-oh. And they actually never move into the house, right? Which is kind of interesting because the previous owner, like, you know, you and I talked about it on other podcasts. It's like, you know, we have to disclose if someone died in a house, but I guess they didn't disclose a different thing here because the previous owners neglected to tell this new couple that the house was actually the focus really of a stalker that called himself the watcher. And this watcher would send these letters to this residence with like really weird excerpts. Like, have they found what is in the walls yet? They will. Um, will the young bloods play in the basement? He just kept on sending these letters. And in the movie itself, the couple does move in and receives the uh, letters from the, the, instead of the Raven, they called the, um, instead of, sorry, instead of the, the watcher, uh, they received letters from the Raven. And interesting fact, the watcher, the house is still around, by the way, I guess, you know, it stopped eventually. They sold it and it, you know, next couple kind of stopped, but, um, the watcher was never found. So yeah, based Still on there. real events. Uh, well, the, mo- the movie that I was talking about was called the Ter- the Terrifier. Terrifier Two apparently is the one that is making everyone throw up. I love how you're like Terrifier Two. I'm like there was a Terrifier, Terrifier One. Like what what year is this? What year are these movies? No, 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 right now, just came out. Oh really? Okay. 
And that's something new either, by the way. I remember, this is actually true, we'll get to this, but the, the Exorcist, right? Which I believe was on the list somewhere. Of what I it was on a, pretty much every list I looked at, yeah. Yeah, a couple of times, but we'll get to it. But that movie, when people first saw it in the movie theaters, actually passed out and had like uh, heart attacks and stuff like that because it was so like freaky. It would freak people out so much. And I know the purposely the um, movie makers played in the movie, if you listen, the sound in, in with the music, like all the, the intense music, the sound of like um, bees, like swarming. And they said mm-hmm. that they did that because they actually asked like the psychiatrist and it's built into the human psyche that like when we hear that, we like, it's like built from like when we were like still like wild animals, basically, you know, like yeah, yeah. hunts and gatherers that like, you hear the bees like that, you got to get away because they're going to sting you. So it's like ingrained into almost like our DNA. So that when you hear that, it like excites us and it gets us like kind of like you get that adrenaline going to like the fight or flight type of feeling. So mm-hmm. playing that with the music or what you're seeing on the screens. And since that was one of the first movies really like showing stuff like that, it like freaked people out. People actually had heart attacks when watching that movie. In 1973, I remember I went to see, um, this is like probably early 2000s. They did like a re-release in like a local theater. So I remember I went to see The Exorcist. Um at the movies and i was like all right this is and it was freaky then you know this was like 2001 2002 but it's still considered one of the most terrifying movies of all time 100 percent. it is based on a book by william peter uh blatty i think the exorcist there's a movie came out in 1973 most of you know this but it's a um story about a young girl that was possessed by a demon and this one particular priest that was tasked with basically doing exorcism um to get this evil presence out of her body now this is true a true story or rather based on a true story somewhat uh, yeah right the boy's last name was never really given in the paper it was simply Roland Doe uh, which is a, a standard last name you would give to somebody that if you didn't want to disclose the name this boy was 13 so he was underage it took place in the late 40s and apparently his aunt sort of teaching this boy this 13 year old about spiritualism and how to use the the, the Ouija board right Ouija board right did you ever use a Ouija board yeah. I have do I remember doing it once or twice. I probably remember doing it too when I was younger, but uh, it was like a it was you know it was like a freaky thing. I'm sure kids still probably do that, right? I mean, I assume. I yeah, know. it's still out there, right? Even though it's like what Hasbro or something makes it, which is kind of funny. But anyway, yeah, right. Parker Brothers, <laughs> yeah, Parker Brothers. So we, uh, so anyway, this Anne told this um, nephew how do you use the Ouija board and kind of taught him about spiritualism. And then what started happening is the aunt winds up dying, and this boy starts to have these weird things happening around him, like around his house. Um, he, you know, there's, he starts hearing dripping noises. And then eventually he starts saying like, I think that like my aunt is here. He winds up having scratch marks on his body, like all over his body. Um, there's scratches and like tears in his mattress. So the family actually brings in a, a couple priests um, to try to perform exorcisms on this particular boy. This is reported quite extensively in a Washington Post article that was published in 1949, uh, but is basically what the exorcist is loosely based off of. And there's other been other exorcism movies like that, the Exorcist of Emily, um, Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yep, I saw that other movies. Came out pretty, pretty, that one came out pretty um, somewhat recently, right? I yeah, mean, it was definitely the, last, the 2000s because I remember 2000s. going to see it. And um, that one was based on, it's 2005, where this young German woman, um, Annalise Michael, began like having these seizures, hallucinations. And then the, it was a Catholic, her Catholic parents called in these two local priests and they did dozens of exorcisms to her. And um, she does, it's a true case, she actually dies from malnutrition. And yeah. her parents were then charged with um, negligent homicide. And the movie's more about, it kind of blends a lot of facts together. I think they're trying to, they're talking about like after the fact, right? And they're, 
Like yeah, the yeah. priests are like the ones called on the stand to be like, well, no, because the, the really. priest was also the priest was also brought up on charges, I think, for like a betting or something. You know, what I mean, yeah, because they're the basically like because they, they weren't feeding her. her and stuff because they're saying she's having these you know hallucinations, the devil's inside of her. So it's still like a controversial um, thing because it was basically they would have to prove the only way that they could prove that the parents would go free, they'd have to prove that exorcism was real. Yeah, there was like a court case trying. They were basically trying to argue that, and I, I don't. It didn't work. Yeah, obviously. it didn't work. No, but um, that was the idea of it. So the movie kind of like takes it into another. I guess it shows the uh, priest's account of it, right? Like, yeah, uh, yep, that's the whole premise. It's basically a movie about like spirituality and Christianity fighting against like American non secular judicial system. system yeah. yeah, but yeah, the girl was actually diagnosed with epilepsy and psychosis. So, except the Catholic family like didn't agree with that they're like no like why is she shaking uncontrollably why is she hallucinating what's going on and she started at 16 but she lived and they started doing these exorcisms until she was 23 she actually yeah so, so this is for pain, years yeah, yeah. and then um, they die from malnutrition is like a rough way to go there was a couple there's yeah. another one that i'll talk about a little bit that like when i was reading about that kind oh of you want to go just process. go to that one because i probably know that one, one. yeah right, well it was based on a well it was a movie called um the girl next door Okay. In the movie, it's it, it's it's out in the two thousands, like I said before, uh, two thousand, okay. like I believe, like seven, somewhere around, around there. And what it's basically based off of is also a horror novel based on this, but it's based on the real life murder and uh, torture of this young girl, um, Sylvia Likens, and she was basically her parents were they worked in a carnival. Right. This was the sixties, right? It was in the sixties. This was in the sixties. Yeah, yep. it was in the sixties. Yeah. So you did. You know, I remember hearing yeah, about yeah, this before, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then I did a little bit of a deep dive into the actual case itself, and it's like really, really just like horrifying because her parents they worked in a carnival and they were very poor. The sons worked at a carnival too. They didn't want the daughters. She had two young daughters, Sylvia and her younger sister Jenny. They didn't want them to be around the carnival. People like it's not safe for these young girls. And they were actually very sweet girls, very nice girls, very smart girls. So they. Um, met this other family and she's like, Oh, they can stay with us. You know, I was like, all right, we'll pay you $20 a week to like, let my kids live with you. And they, a woman by the name of Gertrude, uh, Beniski, and she was severely messed up. She was, um, in real life, she had a lot of mental issues. She was also had a lot of, um, health issues. And what she basically did is she tortured this young girl for months months and would make the sister torture her too she would actually charge the neighborhood kids five cents they could come in and burn her with a with cigarettes so she was starved beaten um humiliated many ways many many ways i'm not going to go into the whole like details here but like change her up and forced her to eat um they would rub uh she had they had had a one-year-old kid and she would take the diaper and just rub in her face and stuff like that they would um give it was stuff. a whole family right it was a whole family, the whole family would do it. It. well yeah it was it was whippy the kids at first didn't want to do it but the mother forced them to the only one that kind of like really was getting like way too into it was like the one older brother he was like 16 he was like 16 and then the younger sister who was like 16 of was like around the, there was one of the girls one of her daughters was around the same age they didn't get along but she didn't still didn't want to like hurt her a lot of times yeah. she was telling her mom to like stop and stuff like that. And they actually burned like letters into her and stuff like that. They honestly said that like in the court hearings, the judge said, you know, you wouldn't treat a dog the way that you treat the, wow. that you treated this girl. And um, like burning her and beating her, they made her um, like vomit up food and then eat it again. And they would just laugh at her. And then she eventually died really from malnutrition and all of like the beatings and the um, 
things of that nature. And then even after she died, they she said they beat the body because they thought she was faking it. How did and they find out like, about this? Do you know? Well, they did have the um, they she they were she knew she was going to kill this girl. Like she had pretty much planned it out. So she wrote, made the girl write a note saying how she was like running off from joining this like sex cult. It was like a fourteen year old girl. Like it, it was ridiculous. And she made her write this note saying that. And then she was they were going to leave her out in the woods. And a couple of times the girl actually escaped, but she couldn't. She just was so malnourished and weak that she couldn't get very far. And then she was worried about something happening to her sister. So that's another reason why she stuck around. Like I'd rather it happen to me than my than you know the young her yeah. younger sister. And then what happened was. Um, the moment she he they died and everything, the, the young girl died, and they did call the cops like eight hours later, and the cops came and they were like, oh, "This is like a rigor mortis. Something's weird is going on here." And, but they said like this was the story, and like the, all the, all the, all of her kids like said the story word for word, and all she 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 just came home the other day. She was beaten up. She was with these like guys and stuff like that, and she must have just died in her sleep. And they're like, yeah, the cops said this wasn't weird. And they asked a little girl, and the little girl went along with the story, her younger sister, Jenny. But then when the cops took her into another room, she's like, you get me out of here, I'll tell you the truth. Crazy, and then, right? So they got her out, and they told the truth, and went to trial. The crazy thing is, you would think they were got life in prison. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't I know, get life I saw in prison. that. She, she got out after 35 years. She died five yeah. years later. And she never admitted to actually doing it. She said, listen, I'm, I'm sure I did do it, but I was so on medication my mental health was so bad i don't remember torturing this girl for months this wasn't like a one or two because they were uh, they were technically the official guardians to these two girls yeah while they were yeah i I wouldn't go read it but you can read the details of the case and you can read like what was going on like her teeth were falling out because she was so malnourished and everything like that and she just she was just tortured this poor girl for months and she was afraid to tell anybody like it, it was yeah. just mm-hmm. sad. Anyway, the movie, the girl next door, which is also based on this one, um, they're a little bit older in the movie, but she was also tortured. She winds up dying from her injuries, but then um, the bad woman is uh, killed also in the movie. So they do that a lot of those horror movies, like the yeah. bad guy doesn't get away with it, but it's just very disturbing, Ooh. very disturbing. Well, let's so let's go to one that we probably all know because like this one people might not have known about, but Nightmare on Elm Street. I feel like I mean the. Probably one of the most known horror franchises of all time, right? Nightmare of Elm Street. Yes. Along with Scream, which is also going to be on our list today because that was also based on some real events. Halloween, which is, I don't think, and I didn't find anything of that being based on anything real. Well, that's this kind of thing. But we'll go, go into what inspired Nightmare on Elm Street because it wasn't this like one is a interesting. killer. It wasn't yeah, no, a killer. Yeah, what this was is it? interesting. So yeah. it actually stems from the guy that, um, that writes this movie uh, gets the story from an LA Times article in the 1970s. And basically, there are refugees escaped from Southeast Asia to the United States, uh, escaped the killing fields of Cambodia. Like they wind up having these terrible nightmares. Yeah, kids of this one family have this this one particular kid has these terrible nightmares all the time, and he refuses to go to sleep because he believes, like in his dreams, that someone is chasing him and trying to kill him. And this stems from you know obviously real life events. So he got to the point that he like refuses to sleep. So this boy is just like so afraid of sleeping that um, because he thought someone was going to like chase him and get him in his sleep. So he stayed awake for days at a time. And, you know, then he would kind of fall asleep. And then again, he would stay awake for days at a time. Obviously, as we know, this is not you know healthy in any way, shape or form. And then when he finally, after being completely exhausted, when this boy does fall asleep and the parents are like excited that, you know, the crisis is over, uh, they wind up hearing screams in the middle of the night and, you know, they rush to him. 
Um, and they realized that basically he was dead. Like he died in the middle of a nightmare. He was screaming and then his heart just gave out and he died. And it wasn't only him. There were other refugees too that died from this. Yep. From what I read. And there were the medical reports said there was nothing wrong with them physically. It was more just like the terror that they had in their nightmares. From experiences. From, yeah, from real life yeah, from experience. experiences that like wound up killing them. So the writers kind of, well, Wes Craven kind of just takes that and like, oh, okay. Like in Let's make Freddy what, if, what if there's someone that's in your dreams that, that kills you and that becomes this massive franchise right honestly i still don't watch it like i like i watch these movies like come to think of it i was probably like seven eight when watching these movies like i should not have been watching these movies no i remember my dad been here watch this and like, <laughs> I, he's like it's not scary i'm like it kind of is he's <laughs> like right like, i mean like six, as an adult i don't want to watch these now i can't even again i can't imagine how I watched him when I was younger, but I, I definitely did. I mean, Freddy Krueger was, to this day, is a very popular Halloween costume. He's almost become almost like a cult icon now, Freddy Krueger and stuff like that. Like him, Chucky, some of those other ones. Michael Myers, like, there's like memes of them. Like they're like, you see them all the time. I, there's a couple of houses by me right now. You look outside, they have like the giant Michael Myers outside, the Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Like in the, I think that actor's still like alive, that. the Freddy Krueger actor. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, I forgot yeah, I his name, so. but yeah, he's there. He's um, blah, blah, blah. All right, all right. Uh, well, what about what I got um, inspiration for like Texas Chainsaw Massacre okay. and um, Psycho yeah. is someone that we've talked about in our serial killer podcast, the serial killer Ed Gein, who again, there's some debate whether much of a serial killer is, but he did have human skin. He, he was found with nine human skin masks in his possession at the time of the arrest. And because of his obsession with his mother, he was the inspiration for Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Psycho. He was the inspiration for that as well, basically just because mm. of how odd he was and with his obsessed with the corpse. He also was uh, the inspiration for a movie called, in 1974 called Deranged, which was also about like keeping people's bodies after their death. And, you know, eventually he would go and get more bodies afterwards. But yeah, so these, they were all based on that serial killer, Ed Gein, mm. and what, his, what they found in his possession in his house, which eventually burned down. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Hmm. So perfect segue, because when you look at Wes Craven's Scream franchise, which probably is the most popular um, horror franchise. Um, yeah, money-wise, right? Yeah, it, it's definitely yeah, money-wise. And it's it's based on a true story and same premise the writer of scream kevin williamson was inspired by danny rowling um he was known as the gainesville ripper um this happened in 1990 he wound up killing eight people so this gainesville ripper gained popularity in august of 1990 he winds up breaking into several apartments and stabbing five students he specifically went for students um and then the killings were like not just violent but really that gruesome in a sense he would actually pose the bodies in like sexually suggestive positions 
and like stage his crimes so that way there was like people would be as repulsed as possible when they stumble upon them later on once he's caught they actually tie three other homicides to him so a total of you know killing eight people so yeah this based on reading of this there was one of the most like shocking actions Rowling had when he realized he left his wallet behind at a crime scene. I don't know if you saw this. And so he goes back to the crime scene to retrieve his wallet. And while he's there, he basically decides that he's going to decapitate one of his victims and he placed her head on the shelf. But yeah, so this idea of Scream of being student-focused killing spree is really inspired by these true events. Well, one that I know mm-hmm. people have definitely heard of before, and it's out there, and you probably know it's inspired by a book and uh, real-life events, because people go to this house, is Amityville Horror. Yeah. Right? The house, of, which I don't know if I ever saw the original. I know I watched I saw the new one. I don't remember if I ever saw the original. Like, is all it, of it. All the, isn't all the there like forward. a Ryan – there's a Ryan Reynolds one. Ryan Reynolds one, yeah. They like, like – uh, Yeah, I think I've seen that. So. I've seen that one, and I think I saw the 79 version, like par- probably parts here, parts there. But it's basically um, – it was played up saying that the movie, when it first came out, it was based on true events. Um, and it's based on a book by Jay Anson. And it's a bit, oh, this like sexual, supernatural harassment yeah, yeah. that the Lutz family experienced in um, an old house in Long Island. The house is still there. There was a murder at that house, a grisly mass murder, actually, at that house. That is true. And um, they're saying because of that, there all these things happen there and stuff like that. But there's people that have lived in that house since then that say, like, nothing has ever happened here. But, like, it's one of those houses that, like, um, sometimes it's hard to sell because so many like people see the movies or people around this time of year, these people want to like come and like see the house and take pictures by the house and stuff like that. Sim- similar stuff happened with like the house that they used in um, Breaking Bad. I remember like people would like drive by it and like kept on throwing pieces on the roof because that happened in the show in one episode. Yeah. So they were like, so people, you know, like fans or people who are into like horror, they always like to go to that Emmyville Horror House in Long Island. And go there, but a lot of critics have said it's you know the whole thing is just basically a hoax. It's not it's not true, but um, there's hope there's it, it, there was a bunch of like spinoffs and there was a bunch of like sequels and stuff too. And obviously into the 2000s, Ryan Reynolds was in a remake of it, but it was based on supposedly like true events of this haunting at this house in Long Island. Yeah, talk about a house again. You're just full of segues today, Tom. There you go. That's what I do. Winchester, 2018. I, I had no idea this was real. And then I started looking it up and it's actually the Winchester. It's you could go to Winchester mystery house, like uh, in California. I kind of want to go check it out now, but so the movie is based on his real event. It's called Winchester. Uh, it, it happens or takes place in San Jose, California. Um, this particular humongous Victorian house was built by Sarah Winchester. She was the widow of the firearms magnet, William Wirt Winchester, as in like Winchester rifles, extremely famous. Uh, She was an heiress to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. So super wealthy. Her husband designed one of the most infamous guns in the history of guns. Anyway, she was distraught after the death of both her daughter and husband. And she started seeing this psychic medium that basically told her that she would be haunted forever by all people that were killed at the barrel of the Winchester rifle. So the spirits apparently told this lady and demanded that she build them a house. So that way, all of these people that have been killed by her husband's guns could live in it. But because the guns were still popular, obviously, you know, there's more and more people continuously being killed by them. So she could never stop or cease construction, which is the freaky part. So as a result from 1884 to 1922, she had builders work on this house around the clock. Like we're talking, it was seven stories, 
160 it made rooms. Huge. It made it huge. Yeah, 2,000 doors, 47 stairways. Uh, some stairways didn't even go anywhere. It just it just kind of led to a 15-foot drop, nowhere at all. The idea is that like she was petrified of stopping construction because she thought there was more and more spirits that needed to fill the house because of the fact that her husband's guns were still killing people. So, yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a freaky adaptation. Uh, yeah, that's, yeah, they're kind of taken with the myth because all people say that, you know, they, they were really fixing the house up with like hasty repairs um, after like an earthquake. That's really what was causing a lot of it. And also she might have just been like mentally just done after, you know, experiencing the grief and everything. Yeah. That's why she was ordering this. And she had money, obviously, oh, to, yeah. to be able to do this. So, but yeah, they, Not- you know, which story sounds more compelling, you know, that she right. was just this woman with money that was just throwing it away or fixing these house up because she was like grieving or that they're all the souls for people killed by rifles, basically, right? Westminster rifles were, are coming back to haunt. Like, it's an interesting story. You know, obviously, it's going to work. Another one that I saw that was true that I, it's a horror movie, but it's more like a real life horror movie based on real events is a movie that came out. I remember when it came out um, called Open Water. Oh, the shark based, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, it's basically that these two people go on their honeymoon off the, in Australia and they come up. And then the, the boat is gone because they forgot that they weren't there and left them there. And it's actually based on the real life events of Americans, Tom and Eileen um, Longerman, Longergan, who were left behind by a scuba group off the Great Barrier Reef. And their bodies were never found. So like, that's it. They were, they, they were killed. And um, this movie um, kind of takes like an educated guess on what like, basically happened to them. And it's based about like, you know, shark, sharks, like you're out in the middle of the ocean and the movie's actually shot in the ocean with real sharks. So they made it like as real as possible. It's one of those like, you know, like low budget movies. Oh, I just put the actors in the water. I was going to say, imagine signing up for that. Yeah. They're like, wait, what? But that's basically what happens. And it's, you know, you just see this fear because you're just in the water. But imagine that, like if you've been scuba diving, you just come up to the surface after like an hour and there's nobody else there. Nuts. Like you're just there. You're just in the ocean and there's nobody there and there's no way they're going to find you and just knowing that and then all of a sudden like sharks and stuff come but it's based on true events that actually did happen that is nuts well you know again <laughs> segue jaws which we this is actually our second oh, ever episode yes i was gonna say yeah it goes back to all right all the way back in the beginning but is jaws a horror movie i guess it is uh, yeah i mean i think what makes it a horror movie is the fact that like the i think the soundtrack more than anything because you don't yeah. see shark right it freaks yeah. you out you're right. I don't think of it like as in like it's Halloween time. Let's watch Jaws. But yeah, no, there's. I think it was. That's considered a horror movie. But yeah, we, second episode, guys, go back and listen to it based on real events that happened in good old New Jersey. Well, uh, speaking of, I'll give you a second. You did one on an animal there, right? With sharks. Um, a movie that um, everyone knows, right? Alfred Hitchcock, The Birds. Oh yeah, I saw okay. that one. Yeah, yeah. So you watch that, but um, you watch it now, and, and I'm not sure how much it holds up, like the puppetry. It actually is based on a real event that happened in 1961 in um, a town off the coast of California, and where basically the birds got poisoned by a toxic algae, and in the flocks of these nor- of seagulls, it wasn't like every bird, it was the seagulls. They began like crashing into homes and cars. They weren't really targeting people; they were just like all messed up. They were crashing the cars and the homes. They were um, vomiting all over the place, like half of digested food, just like sort of, and they were going nuts. And it took the scientists actually um, a while, decades to actually figure out what actually caused them to do this. They were able to find find this toxic algae that they found out that the birds were eating that were causing them pretty much to just go insane. But Hitchcock hears about this and he, you know, makes a movie about it, you know, which are a little bit more intense, but 
yeah, it's based on an actual event that happened in California where birds just were flying into everything and vomiting all over the place for like for like days. Yeah, no, I actually remember watching a movie with my kids. I think my son was what probably like six at a time Which and i'm like kids. Okay. Uh, well you know it was like it's hitchcock it's old i'm like yeah we could watch it but then like you start watching and then like he kind of got freaked out and like at one point the birds attack the woman when she like goes yeah. in the attic and she gets like her eye picked out and yeah stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so, yeah so like yeah my, my kid was like oh this is scary shut it off and i was like okay <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't realize did you ever see the conjuring any of those no but i know of it i know of it obviously well, it's based on Ed and Lorraine Warren, which are, they're actually real paranormal investigators. And there is a lot of history about them because some people believe that they're basically not real and they're a hoax in themselves. But other people believe that they are probably the most known paranormal investigator couple. It's a five film franchise, The Conjuring. But um, <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's based on these two real life paranormal investigators uh the very first conjuring though is um based on the parent family's rhode island farmhouse uh, i think it happened in 1970s i like the, the, the ones like the those don't really freak the ghost ones don't really freak me out though but it's more like the ones that figure out like real life things that could happen like there's this movie that's supposedly very scared i heard about that freaked me out because of where we live right called backcountry where it's based on a real life story of a black bear who actually stalks and kills an entire family in ontario well, that's freaky um, considering what happened to a black bear in your backyard last week. Yeah, when the, the cops had to come and shoot a bear in my backyard. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, that was kind of kind of odd. Yeah, I wasn't even home, but it happens. But this is basically, it's a movie about that where this, you know, the real life couple, they the, actually the husband, the boyfriend wants to propose. They go out in the woods, but he's like, I got to find the perfect spot. And while they're there, they kind of trip and fall and break their ankle. One of them, the woman breaks, the girl breaks her ankle. And then it just leads into, you know, she's bleeding. So that attracts the, the animals in the area. One of them is a large brown, uh, black bear who typically don't uh, go after people, but there has been cases when it has happened. And that's what this does. And it basically stalks them and then kills them <laughs> over the course of the of course of the movie. Crazy. So, yeah, that's why um, I take a flashlight outside just in case. Right. Well, again, segue, because no, close to back to home, but this is another New Jersey one. So the stepfather, 1987. A lot in New Jersey. Right. Some, I don't know what's going on here. So the movie Stepfather from 1987 is actually based on a true story. Uh, it's a story of murderer John List. He winds up killing his wife, mother, and three of his children, right, in their home in New Jersey. Then he disappears, and uh, it is assumed that, like, he's dead, but actually he gets himself a new identity, Bob Clark, right? He becomes Bob Clark and he settles in Denver and he remarries and he basically eludes justice for like 18 years. And he's finally apprehended only because in 1989, there's an episode of America's Most Wanted. And that's kind of how like neighbors start like, wait a second, like that's Bob, you know, and that's kind of the catch him. But this guy was almost got away with it, just became a new person and across the United States. But Stepfather in 1987 is based on this real guy named John List. A lot of the other ones I looked at weren't really that known. Like Poltergeist. I mean, Poltergeist. Poltergeist, very, yeah. There's a lot of them. Are, but they're like, that's loosely, loosely based. Right? Very loosely, right? For those of you that have, probably most of you have seen Poltergeist, right? Basically, it's about terrible things that are happening in the Herman's house. The Herman's house, initially, all these things that are supposedly happening in this movie did happen to the Hermans uh, in 1958. And there was apparently like bottles that were containing different substances that began to pop. And then it started moving around the house. 
there was a bottle of holy water that the Hermans had and that started tipping over all the time. They kept on putting it up and it kept on tipping over. There were household objects that were like thrown across the room for no reason. Basically, after like 70 documented reports of this unusual activity, everything just stopped. And then eventually the movie that is made from it, that's just happening in the 50s, but the movie that's made from Poltergeist is 1982. And it takes it to a whole nother level of what's happening with the house. Like, you know, this, you know, these guys claim that like a bottle would tip over versus the movie went a little more. Yeah, the movie where like, I think that, yeah, the, the kid gets pulled into the TV or something. Yeah, like, but it's like, like a vortex like, or something. Yeah. It, it's like a bit more intense. And they made a whole bunch of sequels, obviously, with those too. Steven Spielberg uh, was, he produced it. He didn't direct it, but he produced Poltergeist, which I thought was mm-hmm. interesting. Um, do you have anything else? I mean, everything else that I kind of look at well, is more, they, probably they, a lot of know. crime dramas ones, but I guess one that talked we through serial killers movie was Zodiac. They made a lot of movies based on the Zodiac, the actual Zodiac killings and what took place. There's a lot of them on like Dahmer and Ted Bundy and stuff like that. A lot of the, a lot of those serial killers were inspirations for a lot of the movies. They yeah. take parts of each one. And like um, Science of the Lambs, Hannibal Lecter is a combination of like John Wayne Gacy, the Zodiac, Ted Bundy, um, Jeffrey Dahmer. They even said yeah, he was yeah. like, all of them mixed together. It's kind of like uh, inspiration for that movie. So the, you have a lot of those like kind of like mishmash ones. But and I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other ones that we missed on here. There's a lot of other ones that I saw. Well, it's like The Strangers, right? You saw The Strangers. Oh, I hated that movie. But yes, I saw it. Yeah. Well, that's, that's based one on... That would freak me out too, because that's one that you could actually think could happen. Yeah. Movie Strangers is basically three masked strangers terrorize an estranged couple, right? Uh, for the sheer reason that they're home. It's about a group of people that go around and, and they... The original story is that these people actually went around and would knock on, on doors. They were they had masks on, three people with masks. And really it was just to they try to steal things from the house. But sometimes the people open the door and someone was home. And they would always ask like a weird thing. They would knock on the door and ask for someone that didn't live there. Like, is Tamara home? And then as soon as people were like, No, no one lives here like that, they would push the door open, get in, and basically start killing people. They were just yeah. There no, oh. It was, um, yeah, it was in rural California. There's these like cabins in the woods, basically. And they were known as the, uh, the Ketty murders. So it's loosely based on the Ketty murders, these home invasions. And whoa, those are the ones that like freak you out. I'm pretty sure it's still unsolved homicide. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know who they never actually caught people. It was a oh, quadruple, house, quadruple homicide. That's always fun times. Crazy. Anyway, I mean, I, I don't, I got nothing else. I mean, I think this is pretty yeah, nice. Is, uh, I'm starting, yeah, I'm getting freaked out. Yeah, not freaked out, but I don't, I don't, I don't like the home invasion one. Got, I, I'd rather deal with Freddy Krueger. That, that is very true. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, maybe I was going to watch a, a scary movie today with the family, but maybe we'll just watch Charlie Brown. Uh, you know, Halloween. The, the, the Great Pumpkin. The great Pumpkin. There Charlie go. Brown. Not based on a true story, but it's Charlie Brown. But Charlie Brown makes it fun. So thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once more. Uh, next week, we'll be back with a, a more of a history-oriented. Uh, I mean, this was history, but, you know, non-themed one, I guess. More traditional. But thank you so much for tuning in. And if you need to find us or contact us, please feel free to do so at www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We're always there if you need to find us. And I guess that's it. So uh, we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com.
I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.